Welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. All right, welcome back. <laughs> All right. All right. Welcome back to another Conversations About Light. I am eating a Kit Kat that Mark so graciously and kindly brought, which right. is why my mouth's a bit sticky. Um, here with Josh and Mark. How are we guys going today? Good, thanks. Good. Yeah? Gee, bro, I hope we move on quickly. I feel like your level of um, <laughs> exposure is pretty... Uh, Pretty intimate today. <laughs> My name's Mark, and uh, <laughs> I've eaten. <laughs> I just felt like I needed to clarify the coming yes. out hot. Um, <laughs> before we get into it, let's um, just have a bit of uh, get to know each other. Oh boy! What would you say uh, is your your the thing you love most about yourself? We'll start with you, Josh. <laughs> I have to answer how much I love myself. Is that what we're talking about? No, no, not how much you love yourself. I feel like yourself. this is a complete opposition what, what, to the gospel. <laughs> what's, the, what's the thing you love most about yourself? Um, I don't know. What do I love about myself? That is such a rude question. It just uh, shows how humble you are. Oh, to thank you. To. Well, I love how humble I am. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> we can take that one. You'll take that? Is that a good one? Yeah. Or? Mark? I literally have no answer for you. <laughs> Why don't you tell us? <laughs> Show us the way. Oh, Josh already said he's humble. <laughs> oh, for goodness <laughs> me. Yeah, I'd probably say my smile. <laughs> anyway, that's a, a lovely um, shows we're humans. Well, we should, yeah. right? We're supposed to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Uh, so there, yes. there must be some uh, deep Christ-like love yeah. Yeah. for each other. All right, well, let's jump into today's text. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 19, verse 28 through to 44, in the English Standard Version. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, 
Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Wow. Quite an array of, I feel like, emotions throughout this, this text. Uh, what, are, what are some things that you guys are noticing within it? Uh, this is a, a pretty happy scene to begin with. Probably what these people had been waiting for their whole lives. Both Matthew and, Beth, both Matthew and John quote Zechariah 9.9, which says this uh, at this text, which Luke doesn't uh, quote, but this is what it uh, says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, humble like Josh, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is like, you know, that's only been a prophetic word. They've been waiting for it their whole lives, for hundreds of years, and now like it's it's happening yeah. right in front of their faces. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great Messiah they've been waiting, God's man, is coming and he's riding on a donkey. Um, it's happening. The kingdom is, it's just so wonderful. It's so, and the crowd's going berserk. They love it. Yeah. Um, I love it. Jesus is drawing near to Jerusalem. So again, remembering the, the previous passage where Jesus knows what's coming mm-hmm. and yet he comes in this humility and this um, ready uh, ready to uh, serve serve God or to be obedient to the Father. And he, as he comes in, the, the crowds are, are going wild. And uh, I can imagine how bittersweet that is for Jesus, like knowing um, I am the king of the universe and, and everything does worship me, but at this moment I'm coming to coming to die it's like there's such a contrast in my mind there of of what's going on around jesus and what's about to happen you know it's like wow this is great celebration and i just don't know if i could have kept a straight face you know? <laughs> like you, you wouldn't you'd be like and just to see jesus riding in like uh, receiving that um and, and it's for, it is fulfilling you know finally what god's prophesied in zechariah as you said but i think there is in my mind, seeing that like a, an incredible contrast, having the privilege of knowing the, the next few days story. You know? I think as well, when you think about vehicles like today, <laughs> yeah. there's war going on. And if you saw uh, a tank from a, a, another nation that opposes Australia, a tank came riding in, you would know like, oh, this is war. Yeah. Uh, or a, a warship, a battleship, or an aircraft, a fighter plane. There would all be there'd all be there'd be all these signs of war. However, if you saw the Pope's vehicle, the, the kind of that mm. special car that goes around and he sits the in bubble. the the yeah. bubble, you you would have this. Oh, the, it's not war. This person's come with a good message, good news. He's going to you know. Here's Jesus, and he comes on a donkey, and that was that was not a war horse. It wasn't. He's coming. Yeah. A donkey was how a king rode into a town declaring peace, and Jesus is demonstrating to everyone i'm a king of peace i bring peace to all and i think it's amazing in contrast to what you're saying where he knows what he's going to go through to bring peace it's totally disturbing to him but he's he's committed to the peace that he's going to bring totally misunderstood by the people and and i wonder i guess i ask myself the question is do i still misunderstand how much he's the king of peace that he's not trying to war against my enemies he's not trying to war 
war to promote me or to make my life better or easier or yeah. he's he's the king who makes peace with God between to, between me and God and then uses my life to uh, promote that peace to other people as opposed to uh, defeat your enemies, get rid of the Romans, yeah. make your life better kind of king. I'm also amazed, I think, in this text by the sovereignty of God, how Jesus says, go and there'll be a donkey there. Mm. And all you say <laughs> is the Lord needs it. And then the disciples go there and they say, oh, how's about that donkey? And they're like, the Lord needs it. And the people are like, yes, of course. I mean, just to think the detail and the orchestration of and the sovereignty of God in all that. And Jesus even knows those details. Yeah. You know, he, and he's, I don't know how God organizes things. And, and clearly we shouldn't, we wouldn't, we can never. Yeah. But to know that, that even the detail of, of Jesus, no, oh, I need a donkey. We've prearranged that this will happen. And, I just uh, and, and even the response of whoever those people were, like, oh yeah, the Lord needs it, of course, yeah, <laughs> to take it. Yeah. I guess it's just such a, a different picture of of how we view things normally. Oh, we'll we'll organize everything and make sure we hang on to everything we have, and whereas yeah. there's kind of a sense of oh, God knows everything, and if He wants to take my donkey, that's okay. Yeah, it's just amazing. I just I marvel at uh, at in the fullness of time. <laughs> I think another scripture says Jesus is. Came into the into the world. Just God, God perfectly knew exactly what would be happening. Yeah. Yeah. Would you recommend to those who are listening this podcast <laughs> that they uh, copy Jesus' yeah. sovereignty and uh, go take yeah. something? <laughs> and then when the owner of that something yeah. says, "What are you doing?" They say, yeah. uh, "Don't worry, God has God has need of this." I was going to say it. It's it seems like some straight out of Compton. Yeah. Stuff. It's <laughs> like there's going to be a, a car over mm. there. Just yeah. go jack that car, and <laughs> yeah. then if anyone asks you what you're doing, just tell them the Lord needs it. <laughs> the yeah. Lord needs it yeah. but while Joshua is um, just talking about that, uh, I was reminded of what you guys were speaking about a couple of weeks ago, where that unworthy, I think it was the text on that unworthy servant, hmm. but it's, it's that if God's asking us to do something, it's like a privilege to be able to do that, so... Yeah. They would have seen that as such a privilege to be like, oh wow, like the Lord wants to use my donkey. Of course, like he's asking me to. Yeah, he can have it. Yeah, he can take take my ride. One of the other, I think, the other contrast seeing is is the the joy of the crowd, and then the second Mm. verse is the weeping of Jesus, Mm. where he comes up to the city, and he they're all like, "This is great! Jesus is here to be the king," and they're super ecstatic. And Jesus arrives weeping, going, if you only had known your, like his heart for Jerusalem, mm. which I think is the same for us. You know, if, if only you had, had turned, if only you, you would come to me, mm. I would have, I think in another passage talks about it, I would have gathered you close under my wings. Mm. And Jesus kind of in the midst of this kind of triumphal entry where they're all celebrating, Jesus is going, if only you had drawn close. If only you'd known what this hour is all about. And he begin, and he just begins to weep over, over their lostness. Really, you know, they they're celebrating an external what they think is an external kingship arriving, mm. and Jesus is weeping over the the kind of internal brokenness and lostness of Jerusalem. I think it's mm. profound contrast those two stories next to each other. Yeah, and that that word there means like sobbing, like ugly tears. Mm. So you have this crowd. Our kings come, oh, yeah. yeah, they're dancing. You know, one of the narratives says palm leaves, hallelujah. And he comes over, crests the hill and bursts into sobbing tears. Such a contrast out of the pain in your right. And 
They had the Old Testament. They have Jesus. They rejected him. Mm. How painful. Yeah. And strangely, even even the line just before we just says, well, even the stones would have cried out. It's appropriate to worship Jesus like that, to adore him and, and hail him as the king. But he's like, I don't even need that. What What is even better would be, should you recognize me, who I am rather than just shouting hooray? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very good. Does the gospel inform how do we actively celebrate and mourn? Uh, maybe one one thing is how Jesus says, if you'd known the things that make for peace, you know, like um, I think we often assume we have we can find peace for ourselves by celebrating certain things and ignoring other things. I think most often that's how I find peace by um, you know, looking to myself in a sense. And Jesus' arrival here is kind of, as, as Mark said earlier, the, the Prince of Peace. Or, and he says, if only you'd known what really makes for peace. And I think those two things you're describing is one, you know, rejoicing in God and two, mourning or or being honest about where we've ignored God or rejected him. Mm. That really I think is the beginning point of peace, you know. Uh, and and I think in the community, uh, just a, a vulnerability and an honesty about about those things, celebrating God and all His goodness, and and an honesty about where we've um, maybe put ourselves first, trusted in our own things, is a helpful point of of turning or turning something towards a peace. Yeah, I think I see examples of this in King's Cross in the community. I think of my wife and others, but I'll give you an example with my wife. She's Nasia is so grateful to know Jesus Christ. She Every single day she rejoices in some way, shape, or form. She has what seems to me to be an unshakable faith. Jesus gives her buoyancy in a demanding life. But at the same time, I frequently find her in tears. And when asked why, she's reflecting on people she knows who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and she feels burdened for them, she feels broken for them, and she's crying out to God for them. And I think that shows me someone who carries the heart of Jesus both as king and at the same time as savior. She rejoices that he's her king and savior, but she's still crying out for those that she loves that don't yet know him. Um, And she carries both of those in her heart. And I know that's true of others in King's Cross, but I think that's what it might look like. Maybe something else is also that that last line in the text where where Jesus says... um, because you do not know the, the moment of your visitation. This is a moment where Jesus is arriving on the scene, right? And they tragically don't know it. Well, what a what a reverse privilege to know that Jesus has arrived in our own hearts and our own lives, in our own circumstances. We have him constantly. He's arrived. We're not waiting for the arrival. It's like yeah. he's here now. And yet I think sometimes we can uh, become unaware of that and maybe a, a great sort of reminder to ourselves is we have the arrived king he is here he's promised to do away with all weeping and tears to rescue us to redeem us he is here he's in our, he is emmanuel and i think that kind of idea that god has visited us not we're waiting for a visitation but god is with us i think that's so encouraging to the times when we feel like oh, maybe i don't have a reason to praise god maybe i don't have a reason to sing or shout and dance the reality is we actually always do it because we have a visited king who's rescued, who's wept over us, and then not only wept but gone to the cross, paid for that brokenness, paid for our rebellion, 
and welcomed us in. You know, we we what a privilege. Yeah, very good. In closing, how can we position ourselves to accept or to intentionally be in that moment of receiving Jesus as King and Savior? I was kind of thinking about it as a landing question. Um, I think that's the, the gospel holds that that allows us to celebrate life and mourn. So there's a celebration in hearts that know Jesus is King, and and we should have that. We should celebrate that we do know that Jesus is King, and that He's our King, and um, that should cause us great joy. But there is also weeping over those who are lost. You know, you can have both of those. And so I I guess I wonder what what would a church look like. What would King's Cross look like? You know, if we s- simultaneously celebrated Jesus and wept over the lost, if if we could at the same time as be filled with joy and be filled with grief and cry out in praise and cry out in prayer and be grateful to God and cry out for mercy from God, what would the church look like that does that? Thanks for joining us today. To learn more, head over to perthchurch.com.au where you can find sermon resources that dive deeper into these conversations. If you found this conversation helpful, we would love you to leave a review and share it with your family and friends. 